0: back down. To- Ever met the Reverend Kathleen Kegel? <gasps> yeah, you're a pretty uh, you're a pretty lucky person. But if you feel unlucky now because you didn't raise your hand, this is the good news. She's going to preach this morning, and uh, I'm just so grateful for Kathleen here coming up here. Kathleen, this is Kathleen. You know she heads our. Uh, Prayer, prayer team, prayer ministry team that prays for people right after the service. I'm gonna set this back here for a minute and I'll put it back. Okay, I'll move the furniture for you, all right? You. And Kathleen is also on our board. She's been on our board for uh, several years and been just a tremendous blessing. Kathleen's an ordained Presbyterian pastor. Woohoo! I've been one of those. And um, so we're... we're <laughs> Well, in two denominations, actually, but she's still there. So um, anyway, we're uh, really grateful for Kathleen's leadership in our church. She serves as a hospice chaplain, which I think is just fascinating because she deals with people that are at the point where they're having to give up everything except for hope in Jesus. And so this morning, uh, she has a wonderful message. I got to listen to it last night. So let's thank God for her and pray that he'll open our hearts and open Kathleen's mouth, Okay. Father, thank you so much for Kathleen. I thank you for uh, who she is. I just uh, enjoy Kathleen a whole lot. I thank you for her wisdom, for her insight, for her training. I thank you for her great heart for you, her passion uh, for you. Um, Lord, uh, just uh, I'm delighted that Kathleen, that we get to hear the gospel through Kathleen. So Lord God, now through your Holy Spirit, would you move through Kathleen um, and would you open our hearts to receive your word, may it be implanted in us as living seed that uh, grows and produces uh, fruit to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Oh, now I've got to move the front door.
1: Yes, please.
0: Is that good? Oh, that's great. Is that where you want it?
1: As long as I don't fall off the edge. <clears throat> ah, well, any uh, fantasy readers out there? Anybody who comes out of the closet with me, reads fantasy, oh, in the very back, I see Not a whole, oh, a few, here and there. Um, Years ago, I read a fantasy series called The Book of Swords. And there were these different specially forged swords that had different unique powers. Coming to the end of the series, there was a final battle that was going to be waged between the enemy Vilkata, who wielded a sword called the Mind Sword, which allowed the sword holder to control the minds of those who were near that sword. Then there was the good queen, Yambu, who was going to face him with a powerful and mysterious sword called Soul Cutter that had never been unsheathed. Unbeknownst to the characters, this was a sword of despair, and it infected all those around it with a sense of complete hopelessness. In the the final encounter, no one knew whose sword was going to have the victory. And I'm going to paint you a picture of the very end of this, spoiler alert here if you're Planning to read it, uh, but I'm just going to give you a little snippet of what the ending was like. So, the two sides faced off across the battlefield, and the leaders, astride their war horses, both drew their swords. Queen Yambu, who drew her sword for the first time, was immediately struck by a desire to just throw the sword away. But she didn't, because she couldn't see how throwing it away would make any difference, would matter in the least nor did anything else matter. Nothing else in the whole universe. Across the field, the mind sword was drawn, but now that seemed irrelevant. Her own troops near her were also affected by this sword. Around her, a wave of lethargy, a supreme, of supreme indifference, was spreading out a slow splash in an ink-black pool. In the distance, but drawing rapidly nearer, a charge was coming, Vilcata's troops with maddened yells, the fresh inspiration of the mind sword that was driving them. Some of the queen's soldiers were actually slumping to the ground now, letting the weapons fall from their indifferent hands. It appeared they would be able to put up no, little to no resistance against the dark king and that he would be able to win easily. But of course, that didn't matter either. When Vilkata's newly energized fanatics came near enough to attack, they entered the circle of the soul-cutter's dominance. It was their screams of triumph that faltered first, then the energy with which they plied their swords. Next, the ranks came to a jostling, stumbling halt. The queen wasn't sure why she bothered to hold the sword so high, so she let her arm slump with its weight, and now she leaned on the sword, letting it cut slightly into the earth. The fighting was dying out. Soulcutter was winning all across the battlefield. If neither victory nor defeat mattered to anyone, there would be no battle. So far, the, ki- the dark king's closest followers had been shielded by the power of the mind sword. But as they approached, they, they approached the queen, yelling war cries, one by one, they turned aside from the charge to sit or kneel or slumped to the ground, giving up the effort in despair. So, I thought that was an interesting way to win a battle. I thought it was interesting that that the whole battle, instead of being won by violence or strategy or power, it was won just by sucking the hope out of people. They didn't win Uh, they didn't win because their hearts, uh, their encouragement, their desire to keep going was taken away. That what brought people to their knees was an utter lack of hope. I tend to be a bottom line kind of person and I like to focus on what is the most important thing. Just get to the bottom of it. In fact, part of it might be because I am a chaplain uh, with hospice and there's no time to deal with all the peripherals. Uh, It's focusing on what the bottom line is. And a long time ago, I remember learning the verse, 1 Corinthians 13. It talks about the three things that are most important. It's, it starts out at, you probably know this one. You could help me out with it. It says, and now these three remain. Oh, wait, let me hear that. What was that? Good. Oh, you guys are so smart out there. Um, So these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Yes, exactly. So much of my life, I've tried to say, okay, bottom line, the most important thing is love. I try to focus on that, try to have things in my life related to love, but in doing that, I think I've sort of glossed over faith and hope. Well, if you're in church, you do hear a lot about faith, but I don't hear a whole lot about hope. What it really means how to cultivate it in in our lives. But uh, I get this feeling, as I'm the older that I'm getting, I think that hope is sorely needed, not just with these patients that I'm seeing that are at the end of their lives, uh, but with us, with me, and in fact, um, in fact the reason I chose to speak on this was because I thought you know I need some hope right now I just feel kinda hopeless my hope is at a low point and I'm gonna preach to me if nobody shows up maybe you feel it too Um, in this one little verse I've been fascinated with the idea these three remain faith hope and love these things endure when everything else fades away it makes me wonder what when Paul wrote this what was the pool that he was choosing from when he said of all these things what are all the other qualities he was choosing from that he came up with these final three and <clears throat> and why are these so important I don't know exactly I don't know why they're so important but what, what I do know is that they endure when everything else goes away so they're worth spending time thinking about and that's what we're gonna do today it reminds me a little bit of a few years ago, I went on a, a few days of survival training with my friend, Diane. We, we went somewhere off-grid, really off-grid, I can't tell you where it is, somewhere near Telluride, and we had a trainer. The trainer was amazing. I had a little slight crush on the man, um, but I just sort of like in awe of all the things that he knew. Um, he, the, what he used to do, his job was that he worked with the military, he trained pilots. All the pilots that went out, he trained them how to survive if their plane goes down. And this guy, he knew stuff. He knew how to start fires, he knew about navigation, about edible plants, about building traps, signaling for help. It was, it was cool to listen to him because he knew and he told us before we came that we needed to bring a few things with us. One of the things there were a few little items we had to bring with us that we would need. He said, whether you know it or not, at some point if you want to endure out in the wilderness, you're going to need these things. One thing I brought was a fire starter. It was I felt really cool to have this, um, and I learned a lot and I forgot a lot, unfortunately. Um, but today, our key verse, the whole faith, hope, and love thing, reminds me of spiritual survival training. In our spiritual journey, whether we realize it or not, at some point we are going to need faith, hope, and love. We better have those with us. So to to get ready for that, we have to understand what hope really means. In the English dictionary, um, the the word for hope can either be a verb or a noun. In the, the verb form, it means simply to want or expect something. As a noun, it means to have a confident desire. If you look at the Hebrew meanings of these words, they're related to what we expect, what we long for, what we look eagerly for, or what we wait and linger for. When theologians try to understand and define terms from the Bible, they pay close attention to the very first usage that is found in the scripture. The very first occurrence in all the Bible of the word hope is found in the book of Ruth. You probably remember the story, this is when Naomi, her husband, and her two sons had died, and she was getting ready to leave Moab and go back to her homeland in Israel, and her, she was talking to her daughter-in-laws, who were saying, we'll come with you, but she's saying, don't even bother. In fact, if you listen to her words, you can hear some of the bitterness and even sarcasm as she's just lost so much here. She says to her daughters-in-law, return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait for them to grow up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. She was bitter because she didn't have a husband, she didn't have children. Those were the desires of her heart, what she longed for. Initially, hope seems fairly straightforward. I've been picking people's brains for about a month, asking them their thoughts about hope. What do you think hope is? There's a common idea that my friend Tom uh, on the beach that I just came from Friday night, I was just kept back from a family vacation to Ocean City, New Jersey with my family, and um, my friend Tom and I sat on the beach, and I asked him what he thought about hope. He said, it's simple. You have hope when things look good. You have less hope or no hope when things don't look good. There, there's your sermon. Uh, I think a lot of people would agree with him that in thinking that hope is just something that kind of lands on us, it depends on the projected forecast, the circumstances around us. Does anyone know what the American Sign Language gesture for hope is? There are two gestures there's anyone oh that 's one of them in the back, ah, nicely played that 's the good one but there's there's another one. do you know what that one is the other the other gesture for hope oh, the other gesture for hope i don 't know if you can see me or not, but it 's two crossed fingers hope um, so But here's the thing, this kind of hope that ebbs and flows with the current of our circumstances, the crossed fingers, the wishful thinking, that doesn't really sound like the kind of hope that endures when everything else is washed away. That doesn't sound like one of the three things that will really last in life. There has to be more to hope than just that. In the Bible, there's quite an overlap between faith and hope. They often go together hand in glove. In fact, sometimes it's hard to tell where one stops and the other begins. I wrestled with the distinctions between faith and hope, um, and then I read some really good wisdom from Martin Luther and John Bunyan. Old guys, but really good minds. In fact, I, I thought, hmm, do I even share this? Because they're, they're kind of lofty thinkers, but I have confidence you guys are so smart at the beginning of this sermon. I thought, you know, you can, you can hang with me. Here's what they said about the differences between faith and hope. They said there's different sources. That faith originates in our understanding, but hope arises in our will. There's also different functions. Faith says what, we need, what needs to be done. It teaches and directs how we're supposed to live. In fact, faith focuses on action, how we're supposed to live. But hope, on the other hand, it exhorts the mind and the heart to be strong and courageous. It focuses more on attitude. Another difference is that there are different objectives. Faith believes in the truth of the word, while hope waits for the fulfilling of the word. Faith looks to Christ as dead, buried, and ascended, while hope looks for his second coming. Faith looks to Christ for justification, Hope for glory. Faith fights for doctrine. Hope for reward. Faith concentrates on what's in the Bible. Hope concentrates on what's in heaven. So there's some little differences there. If you took some time to really meditate on these, I think it's fantastic. But, um, but another one, the, the final one that I thought was worthwhile in helping us understand the meaning of hope, is that it has they both have different results. Faith provides knowledge and insight that we need Hope provides endurance. Martin Luther says that hope is like a soldier. I like the quote there from John Bunyan where um, he's talking about how hope prevails with a soul. So if you picture that hope is, is sort of like wrestling and striving with your soul saying, come on, hang in there, hang in there, don't give up. Further on it says, hope has thick skin that will endure many a blow. It will put on patience as a vestment. It will wade through a sea of blood. It will endure all things for the joy that is set before it. So, so that's the difference between faith and hope. And, but Martin Luther also writes about how they're not good one without the other. He says, without faith, without hope, faith cannot endure. On the other hand, hope without faith is blind rashness and arrogance because it lacks knowledge. The line I like most in this, that Luther writes, is at the very end. It says, by faith we begin, by hope we continue. I found it interesting in looking at the meaning of hope um, that one of the primary definitions, I'm not sure why, but one of the primary definitions for the biblical word for hope is the word cord. John Bunyan gives an excellent picture um, that encapsulates the distinctions we looked at as well as defining this, uh, as well as incorporating this word, cord. He sees faith and hope, thank you. Um, he sees faith and hope like this. Each of us, oh, don't go away. <laughs> My beautiful assistant here. <laughs> um, <laughs> each of us sail, is sailing through life in our own little ship. God's promises are like a mighty cable fastened by one end to our ship and by the other end to the, anchor, to the anchor. So, picture like a bungee cord. Now, you have to use your imagination a little bit. If you take this bungee cord, and Kathy, thank you, um, stretch it out a little bit. Um, she's over there. It's, if I attach this to something here with me, and then it's attached over there, but it's so far. Picture this bungee cord is much farther than this. Um, and But it's connected over there with Kathy. Um, the cord itself is the mighty cord of God's promises. But the hook at this end is one thing, and the hook at that end is another thing. Can you guess what the hook is at my end? Anybody? Uh, The the hope is not at my end. What's at my end? Oh, another, uh, what was that? Faith, Faith, okay, okay, and the prize goes to Ruth Shermer in the front. so faith here is at my end where it's hooked in. I've got faith in the Bible, in the promises, in what, I, what I've been told is the truth. But at the other end, the end that's hooked over by Kathy, who we can't see because she's so far away, um, is, is hope. It's hooked It. thank you. That's perfect. <laughs> um, so that, I call that Bunyan's bungee um, because it was really his metaphor uh, to, to give. In fact, here's how he writes it beautifully. He says, faith lays hold of that end of the promise that is next to us, as it is in the Bible. Hope lays hold of the end of that promise that is fastened to the mercy seat. Thus faith and hope, getting hold of both ends of the promises, they carry the ship safely all the way home. So um, that's how important having both faith and hope are to our journey. Bunyan alluded to a verse in Hebrews 6 that says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf. So God's presence, his mercy seat are behind the curtain in the inner sanctuary, the Holy of Holies. That's where the hope end of the mighty cord, the mighty cable is solidly attached. Growing up on the East Coast, my family didn't go to the mountains, we didn't go camping. Um, We certainly didn't learn survival skills. We learned a lot about the beach, which is important. Um, But as an adult, I've always been interested in learning some of that useful information. Who knows when I might need to use it? When I was away on that survival skills trip that I told you about, I was fascinated by how much I was fascinated by the trainer, but also by, uh, <laughs> by how much time he spent teaching us about fire. We learned a whole variety of ways to start a fire. How to start a fire with a knife uh, on a, and a fire starter to make a spark how to use friction between two pieces of wood, how to use layers of tinder, kindling, different types of bark and wood to build a fire, how to start a fire in the rain, how to tend a fire, how to fuel a fire, how to keep a fire going. The trainer talked about using a fire for warmth, for signaling, for protection against wild animals. I could not believe all the attention that went into fire. But keeping a fire going took strategy, intentionality, and perseverance. This kind of reminds me of hope. Hope takes strategy, intentionality, and perseverance. It doesn't just land on us. Little personal disclaimer here about this talk today. I haven't really felt ready to share this message with you, and here's why. It's because I haven't personally mastered how, what hope is all about, and how to stoke the hope in my own heart. Usually I like to teach something that I'm quite good at, but that is not the case today. In fact, I feel like I'm just, at the, I'm just scratching the surface with what I'm learning. But I am seeking the Lord, and he's showing me things, and, and it's good. I'm starting to learn. I'm starting to grow. But part of the reason that I've given you guys a handout today, and in fact, if you don't have a handout from today, please make sure that you get one. I would love to have you get one now um, if you don't have one because we're going to use them as we go through. Um, so, maybe you could let Francis know if you don't have one, raise your hand, but the reason I'm sending this home with you today is because it's full of scripture about hope. Uh, up here, too, um, there's, there are a few people in the front who don't have handouts. But anyway, the idea is I'm sending you home with these scriptures so that you can look at them, you can meditate them on them and take them further. Take hope a little bit further in your own life um, and keep on learning. Uh, The the things that I have learned so far about hope, I'll go through these with you. The first thing I've learned um, is that hope must be actively cultivated. There's, like I was saying about my friend Tom who just was kind of getting the idea that it just, just lands on you. That's really not the case. You know, I do believe that all of our big three, faith, hope, and love, really are gifts from God but I also believe that we can cultivate them to varying degrees of strength. They don't just happen automatically. Paul wrote to Timothy about the faith that was passed down in his family, and he urged him to fan into flame the gift that was within him. So the same is true for both faith and hope. We can either have little embers of hope inside of us, or we can have a solid crackling fire of hope in our heart if we tend that fire. As I look at many verses in the Bible about hope, I see a pattern of active engagement. In fact, take a look at these verses. We're going to read them, uh, look at them together, and um, I'd like you to notice with me the parts that, that are active, that, that are our action regarding hope. Psalm 33 there says, May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Psalm 42 says, Why am I so discouraged? Why so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Lamentations says, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The unfailing love of the Lord never ends. By his mercies we have been kept from complete destruction. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each day. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is wonderfully good to those who wait for him and seek him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Then in Micah we see, but as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God my Savior. My God will hear me. And in the New Testament, in Hebrews, it says, But Christ is faithful as Son over God's house, and we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. So as you listen, as those words wash over you, all those words about hope, I'd like you to identify for me, uh, feel free to yell it out, um, free donuts downstairs for those who um, see this, the words of active engagement for you um, that we need to do to be involved in cultivating the hope within us. So take a look at the verses and yell it out when you see um, active words. Fan into flame. Yeah, we need to fan into flame. What else? Yeah, put our hope. That's us choosing deliberately to put our hope in the Lord. What else? Dare. Dare is a good one. Uh, Peter said that he liked that one last night. The idea of daring to hope. Sometimes it takes courage to dare to hope. What else do you see? Lynn, what was that? Watch, I'm watching and waiting. What was the other one? Oh, I love that. Hold on. Sometimes that's all we can do is just barely hold on to our hope. What was that? Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Santino. That's right. That's right. Very good. So the, the idea behind these verses that I want you to notice is that we're, we're involved in this. Hope is not just landing on us, we're cultivating it. Now, the next truth is one, actually, that um, Kathy Brady pointed out to me. She gave me some wisdom from her own experience and suffering, and I was most struck by what she said when she said, if you only look at what is seen, you'll never keep hoping. The Bible confirms this truth for both faith and hope, that they rely on what is unseen. Take a look at these scriptures. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And the same is true for faith in the next verse. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So both faith and hope rely on things that are unseen. That last verse is so great. I'd love you to have you read it out loud with me. Uh, This is a great one. Taste it with me and um, don't be shy, I'd like to hear y'all. So let's read this 2 Corinthians passage. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's a great one. Well done. Well done. Um, and so this last verse, this last passage we read, it talks about focusing and relying on what is not seen, but it also bleeds over into the next truth, which is that hope looks at the big picture. Laurie Clock, where are you, right? <laughs> she laughed because she was sleeping. No, she wasn't. Um, Laurie Clock and I recently watched a DVD called Bema, It was a really cool dramatization of the judgment that happens after believers are already in heaven, and you might remember the verse that talks about how we go through this fire, the works of our lives go through this fire, and whatever is made out of wood, hay, and stubble just gets burned up. But whatever is made out of gold and silver, those are the things that we've really done to the glory of God, the things that matter. Those things last, they turn into gold and silver, they turn into crowns, actually, that we can give back to the Lord and worship. But this whole DVD that we watched kinda gave this big picture of our lives and what really matters in light of eternity, in light of the really big picture and as, I, as we watched this together, I think we were both in tears by the end of it, but it really refreshed my hope because it reminded me, oh yeah, this is what it's all about. This is what now is about. Now is about later. And so even you can see that uh, when you look at these verses, but, it, but actually you can see in the very first verse we'll look at is that Jesus used this motivation to endure the cross. Let's look at this together. It says let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's a great one. That is the motivation that Jesus used, the big picture was the motivation Jesus used to get through the cross. The next verse on here is something I, I use many times with my uh, patients who are dying. Um, I, I remind them of the big picture in this little verse. Uh, in fact, I'd love to have you read this out loud with me. It's a good one. From 1 Corinthians 15. And if we have hope in Christ only for this life, we are the most miserable people in the world. I think that's so true. There can't just be this life. So when I talk to my patients, I say, "It's look beyond this illness. There's much more than this. Take hope, that's what I'm trying to tell them. Another truth to remember about hope is that both faith and hope are strengthened by God's word. Take a look at this first verse with me. Well, actually, this, uh, this first verse is reminding me that uh, both faith and hope are strengthened by the word. It says faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. That idea there is that the word actually fuels faith and it fuels hope. Uh, but I'd like you to take a look at this also from Psalm 119. This is an interesting thing to me because Psalm 119, you probably know, is the longest psalm in the whole of all the 150 psalms. Four times in this psalm, it says, I put my hope in the Lord, I put my hope in the Lord, I put my hope in the Lord, over and over. And here are a few little pieces from that psalm. It says, do not snatch the word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. And I also really like how the New Testament passage here, um, I'd like you to read this passage from Romans with me. You didn't know you are going to have to do all this reading with me. But to me, it's a pleasure to, to get all your senses involved, um, to hear it and to say it, and to almost like announce it. So um, read this with me, this Romans 15 piece. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Good. So, stirring up hope in, comes from looking at the scripture. Uh, I was thinking as I was preparing this, about a few years ago, I went to a concert, a Journey concert at Fiddler's Green, um, back when it was called Fiddler's Green, what, I don't even remember what it's still called now, but it turned out to be more of a sing-along than a concert. And um, so everybody's singing there. Everybody knows all the words to all the songs. And I'm there singing my heart out and there was one part in it where, um, where we were all singing together and it felt like this big anthem because hundreds of people around me are all singing and just yelling out these words. And because it's a journey concert, you might guess what song we were singing. Any, any ideas? Oh, that's good. You guys knew, don't stop believing. You can just kind of picture them all singing together. Don't stop believing, you know, hold on to that feeling. You know, I have to do that for Peter because Peter sings random songs in the middle of his message. And I thought, that's, I'm going to just throw that little bone over there. Uh, <laughs> no, not that one. I didn't. I'm pretty hoarse. <laughs> anyway, try to picture this all around you, people are singing this journey song. And they're not looking, they're not laughing about it, they're singing it like from their hearts. And I thought, you know, I don't think this concert counts as church, but it felt like church. You know, it felt like what we're supposed to be doing in church is we're supposed to be coming together in community and saying to each other, singing to each other, don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling and just meaning it and reminding each other over and over. The scripture, um, the scripture also backs up what I'm saying, not just my journey concert. <clears throat> but take a look at, <clears throat> take a look at this, these couple passages from Hebrews. The first one says, But encourage one another daily, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at first. Now this next one, this is another one I want you to share with me in your mouths. So join me in speaking this out loud and almost make it, you know, a prayer, um, something that you're going to do. From Hebrews 10, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So remind each other, hold on to, hold on to hope. This hope grows better in community. <clears throat> now the next thing, the next truth that I learned about hope, is, uh, takes a little explanation. The idea is that hope is only as good as its object. Now, there's a phrase, backing this up a little bit, on the flip side of this, there's a phrase that really grates on me. And when, when people say things like, anything is possible if you just believe enough. And I roll my eyes and I think, yeah, right. Um, you know, I, I just don't, I don't agree with that. And I don't agree with anything that kind of goes along with that. Just, just believe strong enough and it will happen. Um, in fact, there's a, there are a few songs that kind of feel, they feel sloppy and they feel untrue to me. There's a song, in fact, that I made the mistake of telling my nephew, Parker, <clears throat> on this vacation. There's a song, um, do you remember this? It says, I believe I can fly, I believe I can touch the sky. And I told him, I hate that song. Um, so. He, um, of course, decided to torture me with this song all throughout the entire vacation. Every once in a while, we'd be somewhere. And then it gets stuck on my mind. I'm like, stop it, you know. But the reason I hate it is because I think it's, it's not based in something true. I think you can have all the fervor you want. I've had fervor. I've prayed hard for things, and they don't always happen. I've believed with all my guts for things, and they haven't always happened. I've put my hope in things. And they haven't always happened. I think when you believe things like that, um, I believe I can fly. Actually, it reminds me, I, I just was driving and I saw a bumper sticker that says, gravity, dot, 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 it's the law. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I was like, that's right, we can't fly. Um, but, uh, but anyway, it also bothers me when, um, when I hear people say things like, I know God will heal me. Now, I might sound really, (laughs) that might blow your minds and say, wow, a hospice chaplain who doesn't believe in healing, I do believe in healing. But you know what, last year, um, my first friend died. She was 53, she had breast cancer. And she went to a church that never even talked about the possibility that there would be any other outcome except healing. So, I will be healed. She wouldn't talk about any other alternative, you know what? she's in heaven right now and she's happy and I miss her but what bugged me was the idea of just saying you know this is the only possible outcome that you could have now I also don't buy the there's a lot of good things in Buddhism but there's one part of the philosophy that I don't like which is this idea that we're supposed to strive to attain no attachment to outcome to have no desires just kind of Wipe yourself clean of any attachments or desires of, of things um, to happen. And, and if I just don't hope, then there's no chance that I'll be hurt. Um, I don't really think that that's a good idea either. I don't believe in giving up on our hopes. Instead of giving up hope, I believe in giving over hopes. Not giving up hope, giving over hope to the Lord. In fact, you know the passage that Paul wrote when he said, I die daily I think the idea behind that is that he was dying to his own hopes, his own will, his own plans for what his future he wanted, and he was surrendering his will and his hopes to the Lord. God has the wisdom to choose which hopes to fulfill and which not. I like to think of two kinds of hope. Our primary hope is in God's character and His promises. Our secondary hopes are everything else. I was out of town, I think it was just last week when Frances preached, right, Francis? Um, and, but she told me what she was going to preach about, and I loved her idea about validation, the capital V validation and the small v validation, meaning that our primary source of validation comes from God, while our secondary validation can come from other sources. The same idea, I think, is true for hope. Our main source of hope is in God. Capital H, hope. That's what I mean when I say our hope is only as good as its object. If the object of my hope is God, I will never be disappointed. Check out these verses. The first one is my favorite. In fact, I think I'll have you read the first one with me. You're going to love it. Psalm 39. Read it out loud, please. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Then the next one says, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. And then 1 Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. What I like about that first verse, when it says, what am I looking for? I feel like that's a question I have to ask myself constantly. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What am I looking for? Am I looking for the capital H hope? Am I really focusing on my capital H hope, the Lord? Or am I really fixating and spending too much mental real estate on those smaller hopes, those lesser secondary hopes? I love the wisdom in the simple chorus that you guys might remember. If you grew up in the church, you probably knew that, know this song. And um, just for fun, I would love to have you guys, the ones who know it, I'd love to have you sing this with me right now. Um, and um, do you remember the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? This is kind of illustrating the point that I'm trying to make here. And so don't leave me hanging, please. Um, Now, what do I mean by that? I mean by that that the things of earth, it's not that they don't matter at all. It's just that the other hopes that we have, if we're really, really focusing on the main hope, the hope in the Lord, then it puts all the other hopes in perspective. All the other hopes that we have grow strangely dim. They're just not as important as we make them to be. The last truth, by the way, nice singing. Thank you for (laughs) going along with me on this. Um, The last truth I have so far about hope is that hope cannot be taken away by people or circumstances. I think we can let go of our hope, but no one can take it from us. In fact, don't just believe my words. Later on, take these handouts and read these scriptures for yourselves. Now, there's a clip from a movie that I think illustrates this idea, this truth, um, that our hope can't be taken away by people or circumstances. Many of you have probably remember the movie Shawshank Redemption. The main character, Andy Dufresne, just spent some time in prison in isolation because, against the rules, he found a way to broadcast to the whole prison some beautiful opera music. This scene is when he gets out of the hole and returns to his fellow prisoners.
0: weeks in the hall easiest time i ever did oh There's no such thing as easy time in the hall that's right a week in the hole is like a year down straight i am mr mozart to keep me company <laughs> so they let you tote that record player down there huh it's in here in here that's the beauty of music they Felt that way about music. I played the mean at Weiner as a younger man. Lost interest in it, though. Didn't make much sense in here. Here's where it makes the most sense. Need it so you don't forget. Forget? Forget that there are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. That there's a there's something inside that they can't get to that they they can't touch it's yours what are you talking about hope hope let me tell you something my friend hope is a dangerous thing hope can drive a man insane it's got no use on the inside we better get used to tonight
1: Great movie. Um, You know, the reason that Red talks about how hope is dangerous, it can make you lose your mind, um, is because he knows that if you hope, your hopes can be dashed. and, And they sometimes are. There's a proverb that says, "Hope deferred makes the heart sick." And I've been heartsick, haven't you sometimes? But I've never been heartsick when I really put my hope in the true source of hope. When I really put my <clears throat> Excuse me, when I put my hope in the Lord, he fills me with this grand hope that eclipses all the other hopes. All these other lesser hopes and sometimes he even fulfills these other hopes as well I think that might be what Jesus meant when he said seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well I like Andy Dufresne's words about hope when he says here right here in this prison and in some ways you know in the middle of your suffering here right here is where it makes the, the most sense. You need hope so you don't forget. And, and Red says forget. Andy's, Andy goes on, forget that there are places in this world that aren't made out of stone, that there's something inside that they can't get to that's yours, hope. And that, to me, is the beauty of the cross because the cross is, is a hope that nobody can take away from us. When I was thinking about this in myself, I was, I was thinking about um, how I'm not completely hopeless, like the, the story at the beginning when I was talking to you about the utter, complete lack of hope. Most of us don't have no hope, but many of us might have pockets of hopelessness, little areas where we have felt a, just an unbudging lack of hope. and. Um, I have felt recently kind of low on hope. Anybody with me on this? Anybody feel like they could use extra hope these days? Raise your hand. I want to see, for real. Oh, okay, it's not just me. It's it's not just me. Because it's not just me, I feel like, man, there are areas, areas I don't even want to talk about. I don't want to tell you my areas where I'm hopeless. But everybody has some pockets, usually, where they feel like, it's a painful area. You feel like, can this ever really change? Can God really transform this hope? Can he really redeem this? Can he really save all the way into that deep pocket of hopelessness? So my challenge to you today, my hope for you really, as you come and as you leave, is that you will take and surrender these pockets of hopelessness, that you won't give up hope and just stop hoping, but you, you will bring these hopes to the cross to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not giving up hope. I'm giving over my hopes to you. And so as you come today and take this bread and this wine, I'd like you to be thinking about that, even considering um, what are these areas. Surrender those to the Lord and put your hope in him. I even like when Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, He says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In that section, when it says you you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, there's a little element of hope in there because it points to uh, what's happening in the future in our time with the Lord to come. So come... And just um, quietly, as you take the bread and you dip it in the wine or the juice, the dark cups are wine and the light cups are juice, um, come forward and just put your hope in the Lord. Choose to put your hope in the Lord. In Christ alone my hope is found. Wow. I mean, that, that says it all. That's the sermon right there in that that song we just sang. Uh, You know, I just want to remind you, as I pray over you and you leave, as my friends and uh, people, just part of my community here, I just want to remind you that wherever you are right now, wherever your boat is right now, that maybe you can't see, well, you can't see it, but there's a cord there, there's a mighty cable that is connected from where you are And it's attached to the mercy seat of Christ. It's attached there, and no one can unattach that. And by faith, through Christ, we were going to make it safely home. You know, Peter talked to me last night, and he said, he said, ooh, 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 Um, there's something I thought of. And I got excited when he told me, because he said, he reminded me of another hope verse, that um, is from Colossians 1, where Paul talks about this mystery that's been hidden for all the ages, and finally it's revealed. Anybody remember what the mystery is that's been hidden from everyone else? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So maybe, probably, the reason that hope endures is because hope is really connected to who Christ is. Christ is hope. Christ is in us. He's the hope of glory. He's the reason that we are attached and connected to uh, the Father, and we're going to make it safely home. So take hope in that. And may I pray over you as you leave. Lord, these are my friends, my family, my community, and I saw a lot of hands of people that need hope So God, you're the source of hope. Would you fill us so that we are overflowing with hope by fixing our eyes on you, the author and the finisher of our faith, our only hope, through Christ, amen.